Welcome to another Path to Pro episode. This time I'm joined by Joe Laverick. Want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Hi, Derek. And uh, I'll be focusing this time on Joe's journey, so on the domestic scene of Madison, uh, his junior journey, and also his on the 23 journey so far, so including the AG2R squad and whatever you can say about the new team, uh, Axion. We obviously don't have too much information yet because that's uh, just happening. So sort of hop in and go for the quick questions first, I guess. So because I'll make this a podcast as well, I'll read them off. So how old are you? I'm 20. How many years have you been cycling? Six, five, six. No, 2021, isn't it? Six, six, maybe seven. Jesus, I don't know. We'll go for that. Six or seven. Uh, yeah. First team slash club. Um, that'll be NEL Lindsay Go Ride, which is like the Go Ride version of Lindsay Rose, which is my local club in Grimsby. Mega. Uh, last team. Um, Jean Brice Clisman Formation, or as you deserve the Mondial development team. Next team, or this year's team, I guess. Currently, uh, Hagen's Berman Axion. Mega. And so, whereabouts in France did you live? And where are you based now with the new team? Um, so I was based in Chambry, a small town kind of near to Annecy. That's probably the main reason people know it. Um, it's a very French town, but it was, it was really nice, actually. Um, where am I based now? Currently, I'm in Grimsby, but hopefully I'll be in Girona sometime soon. But COVID is happening and that's making that's making things difficult. It'll happen at some point. Um, quick, so what's your favourite race? It can be one you've done, one you want to win uh, or want to watch, anything like that. I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Um, I do really like Tour de Yorkshire, mm-hmm. like, as rate it. Um, and then, obviously, the Grand Tours. I think the Giro is pretty... Giro is probably the best Grand Tour, in my opinion. What for what reason? It's a bit more manic. Like, the Tour's a bit... Tour's great. Don't get me wrong, the tour is awesome. But the Giro is always more open, a bit more. You never know what's going to happen. There's always going to be rubbishy weather. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like this year, Giro proved it with uh, obviously Teo winning and and everything. Yeah, it was a good year. Just a bit more unpredictable, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I get um, What's your most memorable win or cycling experience? Doesn't have to be a win. Um, most memorable win? I don't know. Like, my well, the one that obviously springs to mind is rolling Remco winning the prologue of Sturvein Zedlinburg in 2018, I think it was. Um, that was good because I was like, I was off really early in the prologue, like 20th, 20th man or something, and it was like an hour or two hours waiting, like in the hot seat. Well, I wasn't in the hot seat because it was a junior race, but I was in the lead, and we actually went to a cafe for a couple of hours and then came back and had one. Um, but yeah, that was my first. That was my first foreign win as well. So it's probably that. Were you one of the only riders to beat Renko that season? Or well, I remember you, you, I remember reading it somewhere. I can't quite. Yeah. I think I was the only one to roll him in a TT. Um, obviously, he got rolled in road races all the time. But then he did put two and a half minutes into me at Worlds. So in got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in TT. So yeah, but that, that doesn't matter as long as you beat him at some point. Exactly. And then favorite place to train? Um, Calpe is pretty mega. I like training at home when it's nice weather. When it's awful weather, it's horrible. But Calpe all year round is nice. Really good roads out there. I can't wait to hear. I've never been out there, but I guess oh, I, I, I like I like riding at home. To be honest, it's so good. Yeah, I've been there 
when I was at Madison, we did two camps there and it was just great. Quiet roads, loads of variety and obviously good weather. You guaranteed, well, we had a couple of rainy days, but you guaranteed good weather 90% of the time. Like 20 plus at the moment, everyone. Oh, I, I was looking in Spain two days ago. My parents got a, a house like a couple of hours from Calpe and it was 28 degrees on like January the 25th or something. And it was about one here. I was yeah, like, that is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I want to get out there. Uh, right, we'll, we'll skip on. So this is sort of about your experience so far. Like I've just put on, for anyone who's listening, just said, you know, explain a little bit about your junior career, like how Madison came about, and then the progression to AG2R and then to Axion, sort of, you know, can do short, long-winded answer, just whatever. Um, so junior career, I was pretty, pretty crappy as a first year. Um, and then I got picked up by HMT kind of two thirds into my third year, up uh, third year, first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was with HMT for like the, the final third of my first year junior mm-hmm. and Mark and Tony there made a massive difference. Um, but then going into 2018, it was the year HMT kind of went for a part-time calendar. So mm-hmm. I was with a, um, I was with a Belgian team called Cernan's Boom, which allowed me to race on the continent. Yeah. Um, so I did loads of racing abroad as junior. I was really lucky actually. Um, and that's kind of how Madison came about because at the time they were wanting to go a bit more under 23. Um, Obviously it's forwarded in hindsight, but I think I was like the first experiment rider, so to speak. Um, after a few years, they had a really old roster, so they wanted to return. And, um, Colin Sturgis was, was the DS at the time. Yeah. Uh, um, so he signed. He actually, I signed for them. I think I signed for them before Worlds. Yeah, I did, hundred okay. percent. So I got the offer like before I knew I was riding Worlds. Um, and then obviously Worlds was after that. Um, so I rode the full year for Madison, and then we were told in July, I think, that it was folding, like sponsorship reasons, whatever. I'm not. I don't think anyone knows. And then as you deserve, came late. Like it was September. I think I signed end of September, which was. I don't know, they, they had a few kind of irons in the fire and they just never, never came for whatever reason. Mm. And then these guys offered me a, well, they invited me out to France and offered me a ride a couple of days later. So I, I took that. And then Axion kind of came through a, like a, a mutual contact between myself and the team. So I was looking to move on um, for a few different reasons. And I was put in touch by a mutual friend. And then it just kind of went from there, like data exchanged, et cetera. And I had like a phone call. No, I had a few emails with Axel and a phone call. And then he offered me the contract. So it all, it all happened really quickly though. It was like within 10 days, I went from, I'd almost, I'd like, I had a handshake agreement with another French team. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, when Axel Merck's calls, you don't say no. So No, of course not. I mean, you know, I'd give, I'd give all my life to ride for Axel. Uh, great setup. Just to mm-hmm. like, Ask a quick question. If obviously don't have to answer if you don't want, but with the Madison thing, do you wish that you'd waited till afterwards and then saw what happened, or are you happy with how things panned out? Um, I'm I'm really happy with how things panned out because like coming out the juniors, you're not in a position, you're not in a good negotiating position unless you're like a Tom Pickcock or a Remco. Yeah. Like you can say what you want about juniors, as it it's changed a little bit. Just in like the three years since I've left, it's changed. But my year as a junior to go straight to a, I mean, Madison were one of the best Conti teams around. Yeah. Like if I'd have waited, 
I mean, yeah, you could have argued that maybe I could have gone into somewhere in Europe, but I had to stay in the UK because I was doing my A-level still. Of course. Spanish were perfect. Um, and Roger, became, Roger Hammond became LDS, and he was great, allowing me to like stay in school while race for Madison. Um, and I had talks with another British Conti team, but uh, Madison just seemed like the best option at the time. And yeah, it was great setup. So I've learned a lot there. And it had arguably the best jersey in the UK scene at the time. Yeah, it was just a mega, like, such a good squad, actually. Like, really well funded, good bunch of guys, good management, mm-hmm. and good kit. Like, we just really looked after well at Madison. Yeah, it's a shame it's gone now. I just need to get some. Well, it's nice that St. Perrin are coming back into the UK scene. So, sort of hopefully that revives a bit. Yeah, um, exactly. Moving on. So, how come you went to France for the next step as a second year under 23? Like, did you consider other countries? Other teams, obviously, don't have to say which teams because, you know, that doesn't matter too much. But, you know, how come France was that option for you? Um, I mean, I did look at... There was, there was a couple of high-profile under-23 teams which are around now, which weren't around at the time. And I had, like, really, really initial contact with them before it was even public that it was happening. And for whatever reason... Well, the main reason in the end was the teams were only taken first and second that like first years and I was going to be a second year that was it oh. uh, so it's kind of there was contact with a couple of the top under 23 teams and that well I won't say it fell through it just never got past the never got to the contract offering stage yeah. and um, Spain I don't know like I, I've ridden well in Spain like I've top 10 at Tour of Basque um, but I'd, I don't know if like, it wasn't for me I didn't think I didn't know the Spanish scene well enough yeah. Um, I'm not a rider for Belgium and like it just doesn't suit me um, as a junior I think anyone can go well in Belgium as another 23 I think it's a bit different um, Holland and Belgium basically the same place when it comes to bike racing um, and France is just the best of all worlds you've got mountains you've got flats you can go to North France and basically be a classics rider mm-hmm. go to where I was in the Alps and in a normal year do, do a full GC calendar um, and it was the easiest option I think for a Brit um, excuse me, in Italy, yeah, I didn't fancy Italy for numerous reasons. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, with the so obviously with France, were you were uh, in whilst you were racing or whatever races you did get to do? Were you like for those of you who don't know, more of a time trial, a GC rider, climber? You know, what's the just for people who don't know, obviously, I know, but what was your uh, you know, aims whilst you were with them? The team saw me as a time trialist. Um, I really tried not to put myself in that box. I wanted to become a bit more of a climber. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, it was I never really got to do any like proper hilly races. Um, I had one stage race that I was ill for. Um, like, I got ill after the first day, and that was just me right off. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of I had a poor year last year. Like, I'd be the first one to admit that. So I just pretty much did the team role. Um, so. I mean, in a normal year, I've focused on, I would have focused on TTs because I'm good at them. And then also nudged myself inside the climber role. Yeah. Um, or that kind of T, you know, the TT climber sort of person, um, like using the engine to climb. But I don't know, it was a weird year with COVID and it just happened that I wasn't riding my best. Um, and I just fell into that team role, which was, it was quite nice to do at times. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. You should have said at the start of 2020, this is going to be a year. I've been disappointed. Yeah. 
that's fair enough. I guess, especially being such a, a young under 23 rider, I guess everyone wants to go for their own kind of results more than a team. Obviously, you have to go for teams sometimes, but you, know, you want to go for your own thing as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think as a, as a first year on Madison, I was always going to be riding for the team because we had some like hell of riders on there, like Ian Bibby, Matt Holmes, Swift, Connor Swift, uh, Dibbon, Johnny Mack. Like, that team is just stacked of talent, and I was always going to be riding for another guy. And then when I went to IG Desert, I was like, oh, this could be my opportunity. But I still fell into the role of being, like, let's say, domestic. I think that's my biggest lesson I've, I've learned in the next year. Like, don't get me wrong, right? If the team is really important, but I also I want to be a bit more selfish and take the opportunities when I'm allowed. Um, so yeah, that's the only way to progress, really. Um, yeah, that's the thing. You don't. Sorry, I was going to say you don't get a ride off if if your teammate wins and you've got and you've come third and it's like tour of uh, it's like Lavinier or something. Yeah, you'll go pro. Whereas if if it's like some random French stage race and you've come 50th, but your teammates won, nobody cares. Like you've got to be winning bike races to go pro. Of course, that's that's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. And then obviously you've said why France, but what was your process in teams and areas in France? Like were there a couple of French teams or just AG2R? Like what do you want the teams to support you in terms of calendar and level of support the team gave and kit and other stuff like that? Um, I think calendar is the most important thing. Um, without doubt, like no, nobody gets paid. Like, well, well, people get paid, but nobody gets paid well yeah. as a U23. Um, well, that, that's untrue. Some guys get paid very well as U23s, but that is kind of like one or two teams and they're the World Tour Devo squads. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say most teams offer like accommodation, maybe a little bit towards food. And if they offer you a good race calendar, that's, that's the thing you take because if you go to the good races, you can get the good results and that's how you kind of progress through the ranks and go to a team which does pay you. Um, and everyone says it's like, oh, it's not about the money, whatever. And it's not as an under 23, but then you've also got to have in your mind, if you do want this as a career, you've got to make money at some point because you can't live for free for all your life. Um, so to do that, you've got to go to some big races and win those big races. Um, and like, you can go to a team in France, for example, and do loads of like car park crits or whatever and make good prize money but yeah. you'll never progress so and for some people that's what they want to do and it's just finding your niche so i knew i wanted to do the big races like to try and make a step up and with actually deserve that's what i thought um or ccf like in france they're called ccf not actually deserve um but yeah at ccf i thought that was the best thing to do um and in a normal year is a great calendar so yeah i don't regret going there at all perfect but yeah, it does look like a like a good setup. And then, uh, didn't they have a? I know I've I've read I've spoken to you as well, but for people who don't know, they had the like a French course or something for you, was it? Yeah, so the local uni, um, Savoie Montblanc University, have like a beginners French class. Um, so as part of the team, you've got like a team in the contract. It says you have to study. Yeah. Um. So obviously, that what the French is go to uni just like anyone goes to uni but for us three foreigners we just went to the local uni and uh studied french so nine till twelve five days a week plus homework um and yeah i mean it was you know at the time i thought it was a bit much but now 
the level of French I can speak, I never got there without it. So yeah, I'm really thankful for that. And they paid for that as well, which is a lot of money. Oh, so perfect. Yeah. And then whilst you were looking for the teams, obviously you're in a bit of a different position because you weren't coming straight from juniors. Uh, you'd ridden for Madison and had you know, so your second year. But what was your main source of information, like the teams and contacts, like did they get in touch with you? Did you email them? Like what was the what was the kind of deal? Obviously, you know, you've got direct velo and stuff, but how did you go about looking, I guess? Um I like I'll say out front, I've never had a team coming to me and just saying we want you to ride for us. Like I I don't think many riders do, um, apart from the top, top guys. Um like obviously I've had teams saying, Can you ride for us? But not at the level I want to ride at. Yeah. Um so I mean that's it's different. Um Madison, I got in touch with Colin Sturgis, and it went from there. Um as you deserve or CCF, I just straight up emailed their DS. Um use Google Translate, do it in two languages, and then I asked him for a phone call, which I mean I I, I know the manager now, obviously, but at the time well, he still doesn't really speak much English. And he, he tried really hard with me, actually, speak to speak in English to me because I didn't know any French. But that was just me emailing the, the DS. Kind of, I went through the races in France I wanted to do, went through the teams, and then I just found the email of about five, six DSs and emailed them all. Um, and obviously I had favourites who I wanted to ride for, but you've got to cover all bases. Yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, there's... There's a few contacts, like the Rainer Fund's a great place to look because if you look where guys have been in previous years, those teams are likely to take Brits on. Um, so that's a great way of doing it. Direct Velo, as you say. And then there's guys in France. I mean, as a newbie going out there, you don't know them, but you very quickly get to know them. Who, like French guys who would like to help Brits out. Um, and... I can't remember all their names, but often guys will message you like and see you've got a couple of good results and then say, oh, we'll help you get into this team or that team. Um, and that's like really appreciated. But to get your foot in the door, it's hard. Yeah, and then once you're in, it's a lot easier. Nice. All right. And sort of moving on now to like the pointers of how you race, you know, your races in France, the ones that you did do. Um, you know, how did it, how did this races that you did do compare to the British domestic scene from Madison? So, so any how can like say a junior who or first year on a twenty three, how can they expect if they want to go to France? How can they expect the races to pan out like the level? What's what's, what's the difference between domestic UK and France DM one on the twenty three? It's it's very different. I found a lot of people say it's the same, but I actually found it very different. I don't know if that's most of my races done after COVID, but I'd say the domestic scene com- compared to DM1 it is quite organised, the domestic scene. Um, plus on the domestic scene, there's only there's a certain amount of riders who you know to look out for who are going to go well. If you're good enough to follow that move, you're sorted. Um, or you know if, say, Canyon aren't in the break, Canyon will ride it back. Yeah. And that happens at the... Uh, at the Coupe de France's to a degree, but just slightly below the Coupe de France's. Um, it doesn't happen as much and it's quite chaotic. And it took me a while to get my brain switched from the riding for a domestic Conti Pro team to riding for a DM1 team. Um, you have to be a lot more aggressive, I think, riding okay. for a DM1 team. Is that sort of 
aggressive from the gun or just in general? Uh, it depends, honestly. I Last year, I saw races go from the gun. Um, I, I don't think I saw a single bunch sprint. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Not personally. There was a couple of bunch sprints, but I don't think personally I was involved in one. Okay. Um, or personally in a race I was in. Even the, like the bop-on guaranteed bunch sprints split in the last couple of K. Um, it's just manic. Like, it's crazy. So a good example is I did Isle of Man as a first year um, with Madison. And we stopped two or three times on the last stage for like a pissed up. I didn't stop once in France for a pissed up um, all year. So, I mean, that's in pro races, you stop, like pull over and piss in, in DM1, that doesn't happen. So, well, I guess it's such a fight for, for the win, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a different style. Um, yeah, there's nothing much more to it. With the, so you just said uh, races, are the level of teams, much different to UK domestic. And then the riders, obviously, in France, you've got guys who go in, you know, sign world tour. Like, I know Thomas Champion, he signed for, he was doing smashing up on the 23 season. Last year in France, he signed for Cofidis this year. Like, you know, those riders are going world tour. Is it higher than domestic UK or, and obviously the teams as well? Like, what's the difference there? Um, I think in France, it's much more rounded scene. So there's way more teams, way more teams. Like there's, I don't know, 20 teams in DM1. Mm-hmm. Have we even got 20 teams like between Elite and Conti in the UK? I don't think so. No, there isn't. Um, so like, obviously the level, the top, the top funded DM1 team is good. The bottom funded isn't great. Um, I'd say oh, it's really hard to, I'd say it's similar actually. Like, there's some really well-funded teams and there's some not-so-well-funded teams, um, the same as anywhere in the world. Level of riders, you say, like, obviously, Thomas Champion went pro uh, with Cofidis, and he's hell of a rider. But then if you think, in the last couple of years, who's gone pro out of the UK, like, Matty Holmes went straight pro, almost won a stage last year, won up Wollonga, Connor Swift, James Shaw, um, Alex Richardson, and probably about a million others who I have uh, named. Like, I, I think the British pro, the British Conti scene is really good and really strong. It's just people don't recognise it as much. Um, so it's and we haven't got like in France, there's that recognised pathway. In the UK, there's not so much. So it's, again, it's different. And I guess just the fact that there's not many UCI level races in the UK, like there's only sickle, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And in France, we're doing two point ones almost every week. Yeah, maybe like every week, at least once a month though. Where in the UK, they just take a signal and that's it. And that's that. That's sort of the only, I guess that's like the main thing as to why it's not held in such an, the same esteem, I guess, as uh, France. Well, think if you think about it, how many French pro teams come to the UK to do races? They come to do Tour of Britain, Yorkshire, and maybe Sickle, but not really. Yeah. Whereas, one team. Like, yeah, our Conti teams go over twice a month. To do races and that's the difference like foreign teams don't come here because the races aren't good enough yeah. and if the races are good enough would would probably be more recognizable so mm. yeah that's, that's fair enough and then uh race level of race organization we've sort of covered level of support is the race are they organized better is it you said they're a bit more manic in the style of racing is that true for the organization as well um they're all on closed roads, so that's better organised in the UK. Um, 
no, I'd say it's better, but that's everyone always says this, like, oh, France is great, we need to copy France, but it's their national sport. It's like, ah, oh, use football as an example. Our football scene is much better set up in the UK than in France, but football is our national sport. Yeah. And like in France, yes, the race is incredible. The race the race scene is incredible, but you expect that because it's it's France's national sport and you can probably choose 10 races within 100k of you any given weekend in France. It's probably not 10 races a weekend in the UK. Um, that's, that's pretty class. Yeah, the organisation is like, it's pretty mega actually. Um, yeah, I'd say it's better in France without doubt. Perfect. And then obviously it's a bit of a shunned subject. Don't have to say anything if you don't want, but I know Charlie said uh, DM1 teams do pay, you know, you don't have to say your personal experience, but do you have an idea of like, I guess the level of salary between domestic and DN1? Like, is there much change there? Is there a salary? Is there not? That kind of thing. Um, it's hard to say. So on Madison, I was paid. Mm-hmm. Not much. Uh, like, not, not much to support me. It was basically agreed that this amount of money we're going to give you is just going to cover your expenses for the year. Um, so that was that. Yeah. In France, I was given an apartment for a year for free. Well, I say an apartment, a room for free. Uh, food, four or five days a week. I need to cough, so excuse me. <coughs> I should have brought water up on me, but I didn't. Um, yeah, so we're given like a room, kit, uh, food, all support. So France was like monetary. We didn't get anything, but like in value, like we didn't have to pay rent, we didn't have to pay for our food bill. Um, so... Yeah, um, studying, that that's what, 500 euros a month. So, like, we didn't get a salary. And I, to be honest, I know that some guys get a few hundred euros a month here and there, but I could, I, I probably am wrong, but I don't know for anyone making more than 500 euros a month on a French DM1 team. That's probably wrong. But only, I, I definitely know of one or two, but they're, they're the guys who have like signed for world tour like within six months or a year of that happening are they like french guys as well yeah well pr- pr- yeah. you know there's guys yeah french guys you know looking at i know from different people i've spoken to have been on like a thousand euros a month but only yeah. like one or two like hardly anyone and that's not that much when you put that in the scheme of things that's not that much money no. um like, that's a lot of money as an under 23 cyclist as a re- in a person in the real world 12 grand a year isn't much. No, that's not even paying. You don't have to pay tax on that in the UK. No, exactly. Um, and then I know I know French Conti teams do have to pay a minimum wage. And that's, I think that's 25,000 euros a year. Oh, French Conti teams do. Minimum. Employment laws in France said if you're Conti, you have to be paid as a professional person. Um, and that's a lot of money, actually. Um, I don't know. Some teams might have different contracts. So, like, we pay this officially, then you might pay us back this in coaching fees or apartment fees. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I know in France, you've got to be paid, I think it's 25 grand a year if you come to. Um, yeah, that's quite useful. I, I didn't know that because obviously there's no universal minimum wage at UCI Conti level, is there? No, no, exactly. So, yeah, Madison, um, I'd like paid, basically, expenses. We're actually on now, we're paid, um, like contracts, I can't say how much, we're paying US dollars actually. Um, again, not setting the world on fire, it's enough to cover 
my monthly rent and some of my food bills. Um, but like, I still need to rely on like Dave Rayner Fund and my freelance work to live. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know of many Conti riders. I'd, I'd go as far as to say I you know, have one Conti rider in the UK who has actually paid a salary. Um, yeah, I could be wrong, but that comes on pretty good authority. I think that's reasonable. I just from people I know, could be two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not far off then. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because on the Conti scene, you don't have to be paid a wage. Does that mean legally? You have to pay expenses, but not a wage. And I've got nothing wrong with nothing against teams who don't pay. But I just find there's like a gray area where people are like, yeah, I'm, I get paid or I'm a pro. I'm like, you're not a pro if you don't get paid for it. But no, exactly. Yeah. There's some cracking riders in the UK who should be world tour um, who are paid all or paid very little. And that's the that's the thing, really. So have you mentioned your, your freelance work there. Is that your you know, is that you writing your some blogs and a bit of journalism kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So like, I write for Cycling Weekly and Cycling Tips mainly, mm-hmm. and um, just a bit of money here and there yeah. uh, from the monthly articles, which just again help with stuff like rent and food bills. Perfect. And I'll I'll definitely I was planning on linking uh is it a cycling tips article that you've done on six tips living in france is it um oh, with british conti that was um with Benny yeah. at british conti yeah well I'll, I'll link the british continental thing anyway because I, I found that quite interesting and you know you explained some things a little bit more just to, just a quick read if someone didn't want to listen to to this for example um is there anything else you know you want to add on in terms of the change from domestic to France, sort of progressing through the ranks, getting contacts, UCI Conti, anything really like that, moving away from home even? Just like um, that's a lot of things at once. Um, so I think, no, it's all right. So it moving from the UK, I accept that it's going to be hard wherever you're going, Spain, France, Belgium, Italy. I don't care where, wherever you're going away from home, it's going to be difficult. You're going to have like dark days. Um, try and put as many things in place to prepare yourself um, and try and build like a network around you. Like I found people away from my team. So like British exchange students in Shrombury and that's a great group when you needed to get out of the cycling bubble. Yeah. Uh, cycling wise, accept that for 95% of us, it's not going to be easy in the first few months. Uh, you've got to fit into the team and it's going to be hard, but eventually you'll get there and you'll integrate with language, etc. Um, I just noticed you got a point here, like picking the right region and team. Um, do your research and do that through like other Dave Rayner riders. Like look look on the list and just contact guys on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. But at the same time, don't like copy and paste the same message to twenty other guys because we are like in group chats together and we do message each other if someone gets on our nerves. Um, like so, if you got to message someone, be sincere because you are asking them to take the time take their time sorry um but yeah there's there's enough people in the past in the last couple of years and currently who have gone through what let's say second year juniors are going to go through next year um so like speak to people if you're if team offers you a ride try and find someone who's been there in the past um don't just someone offer you a ride don't just say yes straight away um try and get like counsel stroke advice from a from a rider who's either been at that team or in a team in that region in the past. That's I'd say that's my biggest piece of advice, actually. Look for a couple of 
look for people with personal experience with that team and ask their honest opinion. Yeah. Mega. Thank you. Is any, anything else you want to add or you, is, that, is that it, you think? Uh, I think that's, I mean, I could talk all day about moving to France. Like, I think it's the best thing I ever did. It's probably the hardest thing I ever did. Um, and I'd say, what's the date? Like 31st of Jan? Yeah. So myself today, 31st of Jan 21, compared to this time last year, I'm like a completely different person. Um, like completely different. And at the start of 2020, I was like quite, I wanted to leave, but I was quite home, home-based still. And now I'm looking forward to moving away again. Um, and loads of like shit will happen throughout the year. Lots will go wrong, but lots will go right. Um, but I think, yeah, it's the best thing you can do moving away. Like just for the experience as much as anything. Perfect. So um, like I said before, if, you know, you just said message guys, people okay to message you with a couple of questions or anything like that on Instagram? Is that all right with you? Yeah. Like, to, to be honest, if you drop me a line on Instagram, um, like I read my message requests relatively often or uh, just like email. I don't know who emails me. That's I have email for work, but I mean, you can email me if you want, but just message me on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. And I don't bombard me with questions, though, if you're watching this or listening to it. Um, but yeah, like a few questions. I, I, I'm always happy to help out. Um, and I'm happy to point people in the right direction because I don't know everything. Yeah. But usually if you get, like, I know people who know things and that's the thing, like, networking is the best thing you can do as a cyclist of course that's, that's so important. yeah like from us the first time asking you anything or anyone i've spoken to this year being from quite a not a non-cycling background in terms of family and stuff just asking people has been massively useful and like you know talking to you as well has been been great to be honest so i really appreciate you hopping on and sort of sharing your experience as well hey, no problems it's like i'm the same mate i'm my family, I've got no cyclists in my family whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm kind of like learning as I go. And I've learned from whether it's like the guys at HMT or the guys at Madison, just you pass it on as you go. Um, and I think that's the other thing, like as both you and I as riders now in this situation, we've kind of got, it's our turn now. I mean, we're not old and we're not experienced, but it's our turn to help out those guys mm-hmm. a little bit below us um, and try and make it easier because we're yeah. COVID it hell um sure that, i mean that's that's why i've wanted to do this series really um yeah just to just to wrap it up then i guess you know yeah well thanks for thanks for joining me and thanks to anyone tuning in i'm gonna make a podcast of this stuff just need to uh finalize it and make sure it's you know okay and doesn't sound crap i guess but yeah uh, thanks for tuning in again thanks to joe um i'll make another video soon And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Uh, Thanks, Joe. Yeah, cheers. See you soon.